0: Hi everyone and welcome back to the Don'ts But the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff Podcast. I am so excited today because I'm actually going to be doing my very first interview with a really amazing, wonderful woman, Dr. Lissa Rankin. And before we begin, let's go ahead and take our golden pause. So wherever you are, just uncross your legs and put your hands open on your lap. Unless of course you're driving, then just Pay attention to the road. But we're just gonna tune into our breath for a moment and just take a pause to get really present and really grateful. So go ahead and just begin to breathe through your nose and breathe in. And as you breathe in, just expand your chest and your belly and just breathe in really, really deep. And as you exhale, feel your belly go in and just Let go of any tension or stress you feel in your body, allowing your neck and your shoulders and your hands to relax, everything to just relax, and breathing in sunlight, tuning into your breath, letting go of any anxiety, any fear, anything you're holding on to. Just let it all go. Breathe in again. This time place your hand on your heart and just think of one moment or one conversation or something that you're just incredibly grateful for. And spend a moment just feeling that complete sense of gratitude. And as you breathe in, breathe in sunlight all through every cell of your being. Letting go. And then just open your eyes and just notice how much more present you feel. So in um, one of my last podcasts for the New Year's message, I'm sure you'll notice that... um, remember that I talked about Joseph Campbell's work in the hero's journey and I had watched um, a film documentary called Finding Joe by Patrick Takea Solomon and I was just so blown away by um, really learning in that documentary about Joseph Campbell's work about mythical story and about the hero's journey and you know, what was fascinating to me is that I realized that in my own path and in my own life, somehow that mythical hero's journey had also penetrated my consciousness, and that certainly that had so much to do with the way I healed after Richard died. And, it, you know, it just fascinates me because so many of my friends who are thought leaders and people who have been through, you know, some pretty. Severe obstacles and severe tests and challenges and what we call initiations—they too chose the hero's journey. So I um, summarized that for you in that podcast, just in my own summary. And what's really cool is today we have a real true hero that's going to be speaking with us, who also has had her own experience with what. The Hero's Journey Means to Her, and she's written this incredibly beautiful book called The Anatomy of a Calling. Dr. Alyssa Rankin is the author of the New York Times bestsellers bestseller, Mind Over Medicine and The Fear Cure, Fear Cure, and is the focus of the National Public Television Pledge specials Heal Yourself, Mind Over Medicine and The Fear Cure. Dr. Rankin is also the founder of the Whole Health Medicine Institute, where she trains physicians and other healthcare care providers about the intersection of science and spirituality and the six steps to healing yourself alongside other pioneers in the field of mind body medicine. She lives in Marin County, and I am so grateful that I get to call her a friend because you know that's one of the most beautiful things about what I feel like my career, where my career is taking me is I get to hang out with some of the coolest people. So, Alyssa, come on in and <laughs> join the call and let's just have a really amazing conversation about this truly, oh my gosh, I just have to tell you all, this book is so beautifully orchestrated and written and just so has Alyssa's heart and soul in it and I know you're going to love it, The Anatomy of a Calling
1: um so Lisa, come on in and let them hear your sweet voice. Oh, thank you, Chris. I'm so grateful to be here and I'm so grateful to have you in my life and what a what a sweet blessing you are to me and I know to all of the people that are listening here. It's just you you clearly have uh demonstrated and continue to demonstrate what it what it takes when uh when the initiation gets as painful as it can possibly be, um, you know, and I'm watching this right now, and I know that you've been involved in this. One of my closest friends, Scott Dinsmore, died this year, and his wife, Chelsea Dinsmore, who's an incredible human, is dealing with that, and they're, they're 33 years old. and Yeah, so young. You know, and I, I just am, I was just reading a blog that Chelsea wrote on Scott's, blog he started a blog called live your legend and chelsea has taken it over since scott died in september and i just am watching her with like so much awe of the resilience of you know what does it take for a woman to go through losing the love of her life who's been in her life for 13 years and like instead of following following the path of you know getting stuck in the story of loss and grief and instead of you know, becoming an addict, or like, you know, suicidally depressed, or any of those things, to like have the courage to feel all the grief, to feel all that pain, and it, and not to let it disable her. And I, I I see how you've done that too, Chris. And it is, you know, I, one of the things that I am finding that I want to talk about when I'm talking about this book is the difference between the hero's journey and the heroine's journey. Oh, I love
0: that. I'd love to hear what you have to
1: say about that. Yeah, because I'm just, I mean, I am in awe of people like you and Chelsea. Like, I've certainly had my own hero's journey, and most of the biggest trauma that I went through came when I was in my medical education and then when I went through what I came to call my perfect storm, which... You know, I I was pregnant with my little girl. My dad got diagnosed with cancer, and my my within two weeks, I gave birth to my daughter. My my dog died. My healthy young brother wound up in the ICU in full blown liver failure as a rare side effect of an antibiotic that he was taking for a sinus infection. And oh, then wow. my beloved father died of a brain tumor. And this all happened within two weeks. Oh my in god! In the middle, in the middle of this totally traumatic medical system that i was part of but when i compare it to what you and chelsea have been through, i mean it's you know none of us can compare our heroes journeys to anybody else's because pain is pain but i'm just so in awe of people that use their pain as grist for the mill of of spiritual growth and awakening and anyway i i could gush about you forever <laughs> oh
0: you're so sweet thank you and i yeah. you know i I just want to dive into the beautiful book that you've written um, because you know you've really, of course, I I noticed like sort of the template in some ways. Like I, I when when I started to read it of what you had done, and it's brilliantly written. I mean. One of the things you have to know about Lisa is that she's one of the most multi-talented human beings I've ever met in my life. Like, she really kind of blows your mind. You you get to know her, and not only is she just this astounding artist and, you know, this doctor, this amazing medical doctor, but she's just an exceptional writer. And she has a way, you have such a way of bringing the reader in and in such a poetic... It's like you almost have this amazing poetic license to your work and your writing, and it's beautiful. So it's rich, you know, it's really rich, and your stories are just riveting. And, you know, what I love so much what you've done, Lissa, is you've taken, you know, you've taken your life and you've just made so much meaning out of it for... in a movement, too. Like, you're really moving medicine into an area that it's been moving for a long time, but people like you who are medical doctors, when you take this kind of stand, it's, it's just really profound. And I've been watching this over the years. And I just love the direction of everything you're doing. It's, it's, it's really wonderful. But let, let's, let's dive into your book. And what would you like people to most know about this book?
1: Well, you know, this I wrote the book... That I needed to read back when I quit my job in medicine in 2007. I really did. So this book is a memoir, so it's about me and my story, but really it's about you and your story. And that was really my intention. It was, I was so lost when I left medicine. I was so confused and anxious and really despairing and feeling I mean, I thought medicine was my calling. Like, I was called to medicine the way priests are called to the priesthood. Like, it was a spiritual mission. And I was called when I was seven years old, and the story of how I was called is in Chapter 2. So I won't, I won't give it away. But uh, they called me the squirrel girl. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that, that hint. And so it was a really passionate calling for a little girl, to know that I was here to be a healer in service to the life of other living beings. And to wind up in a system that put me at odds with my calling was so confusing because I felt like every day that I was told that I was expected to see 40 patients in my office, which meant that I had seven and a half minutes with my patients, I felt like I was betraying my soul. I was betraying my calling by, like I knew I needed like an hour with people in order to do the healing work that was right in front of me. And I loved my patients so much that to have to spend seven and a half minutes with them was killing me. It was literally killing me. I was taking seven medications by the time I was 33. Oh, like, wow. I kept, I kept having to get hooked up to cardioversion in the ICU when I was at the hospital working because my heart rate would go up to like 230. Um, And I I had severe high blood pressure. I was taking three medications for my blood pressure, and it was still 180 over 110. Like, I was really a heart attack waiting to happen at 33. Wow. And I somehow knew that, like, if I didn't leave, I was going to die. Like, it was, people say, oh, it's so brave. Like, how were you so brave to take such a leap of faith after 12 years of education and, you know, paying $200,000 for your training? And, and you know, I was the full-time provider for my family. My husband didn't work. Like, I was the bill payer, and I had no backup plan. Um, people are like, how do you, how how were you so brave? But it didn't feel at all like courage. It felt like life or death. Like you were saving your own life. I was saving my own life. Like, yeah. it staying in the status quo of what I was doing would have been suicide. I really I really believe that. That that's amazing. You know, I think about
0: like um Richard and how he was called also to healing from being like um a financial planner. Like he was six classes short of his MBA and was going to go into the finance world and walk into a fully connected arena because of his dad's profession and where his dad was at. And in six classes short he, he literally said I can't do this. I feel like it's going to kill me. And I absolutely know that I'm a healer.
1: <laughs> wow.
0: Wow. It's, Isn't that amazing? Like and that's, that's, and that's what the whole nature of this book is about, right? It's about a calling, like really being able to acknowledge that heartfelt, um, just true calling about what our life purpose is.
1: Absolutely. And, and this book really is, for healers, but I want to define that really generally, um, because it's not just for doctors or psychologists or life coaches, or you know it's not specific to that i I mean my banker is a healer. her name is Fariba. she works <laughs> <at AIDS. laughs> and she is a total healer working within the banking industry, like who would expect? that you would find a healer in a bank. Yeah, I can I can understand that. You know, and like there was this guy, Oscar, at Northwestern when I was a medical resident who was a janitor. And he was a healer. And it was his job to like honestly save the lives of all of the medical students and residents who were so traumatized. And oh, my God. Day, every day he would stop me and be like, Lisa, how are you? And he would give me this hug and I would just cry. Because nobody else in the hospital seemed to care how I was doing, but he did. So when I say, when I talk about healers, it's like people who are channeling the divine in their work, no matter what they do. It's not about the job, like, and it doesn't have to be something that you get paid for. You can be a healer by standing in line at the Starbucks and actually reaching out to the person in front of you, and you can save a life that person might have been ready to take their own life that day until you saw them and showed them that you care.
0: Yeah, you just never know. It's so true. Just We're all healers if we really you know, keep our hearts open and we just are kind. I mean, even just through our kindness and through being a loving person, we heal others. By being a great listener, you heal others. There's all sorts of different ways that we can be healers. That is so true.
1: Well you know in 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 the first in the introduction to the anatomy of a calling which you can actually read the introduction you can download the the first chapter free at the com. but in the introduction I talk about um what Martha Beck calls the team and she describes this in her book Finding Your Way in a Wild New World and I love that I love- book I love that book too. And I and I Martha is a huge part of this story. Martha is one of my magical mentors, which is one of the steps of the hero's journey. So there's a lot in this book about my relation my personal relationship with Martha. But I, I found I love her description of what she calls the team, because to me that's really the definition of a healer. And she describes team members as having certain characteristics that really distinguish us. And these are things like most of us feel a sense of a mission involving, you know, a major transformation in human experience. We have this strong sense that whatever that mission is, it's getting closer in time. We have a a compulsion to kind of master certain skills in preparation for this personal mission that we may not really understand. We may not know exactly what that mission is, but we feel kind of this sense of urgency about it. Uh Mm-hmm. You know, most of us have high levels of empathy and are very sensitive to energy where you know we have this really passionate desire to lessen the suffering of other living beings absolutely you know a
0: absolutely. lot of a lot of
1: team members have this kind of core existential sense of loneliness uh-huh you know if, if we were the ones that grew up kind of feeling like. We we never quite fit into any one group. Yep, and it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people are kicking this off in their minds, right? Um, yep. So yeah, that sense of loneliness stemming from kind of a feeling of being different, in spite of being generally social. Um, you know, other common characteristics of team members are high levels of creativity, mm-hmm. an intense love of animals, a difficult and often abusive or traumatic childhood, an intense connection to the natural world, resistance to religion accompanied by a strong sense of the spiritual. Well, it sounds like my youngest daughter. Except right? <laughs> so for the abusive like past,
0: I can, I can honestly I can say remember. she hasn't had an abusive past.
1: <laughs> she had a traumatic
0: childhood, though.
1: I was going to say she went through her own trauma.
0: Yeah, she went through trauma. Like
1: mm-hmm. I didn't have a traumatic childhood, but medical school was a the biggest trauma of my life. Right. And I, I sort of, the the book has a lot of kind of whistleblowing stories that other people are finding pretty shocking. Uh, a lot yeah, yeah. Stories. It's just
0: really very, very shocking. I mean, that was, that is one of the things about the book that stands out, you know, is it does, it gives you an inside view of, you know, of what doctors, I mean, there's almost this coldness that has to pervade you know, it's almost like you see policemen and, you know, people in the law enforcement go through this too. Like there's this insensitivity that, that happens because there's just so much. There's so much to deal with. Right. And
1: I had to tone it down. I actually I actually edited some of those stories because I thought people are not going to be able to handle what actually happened. So some so of the So you censored stories, a little bit. I did. I censored it a little bit because I mean I'm afraid to even tell you like one of the things that I censored because I'm afraid it's going to be so traumatizing to your listeners that they just will have to turn this off and not not hear the rest. Well it's really it's 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 be- it that's a
0: beautiful part of this book for people who aren't in the medical community but we all have to deal with the medical community at different right. times in our lives. So it's it's it gives you empathy and also an awareness, you know, like um of of what to keep in mind when you're dealing with the Western medical community. The one thing I have to say, I love, love, love about what you've done here in this book because it is a memoir, but Lissa's made it um, even more valuable to you because she's got these, at the end of each chapter, she's got the heroes guidepost and the hero's practice and these are amazing. Like I love every single one of these, Lisa. They're just beautiful and they go so well with each chapter and um and they're just there's so, it's such a really wonderful, amazing thing to add to a memoir because it does make it so rich for the person. And it brings the person it'll bring you right into how you do what she's done, you know, which I think is often such a, a hard thing about memoirs is that so, so much of the time it feels like, well, okay, she did that, but how do I do it? So that was really brilliant. I love how you did that.
1: Oh, thank you. Well, again, this is me and my story, but it's really about you and your story. And I tried to make that really explicit. Like it's not just, I didn't write this for my own like narcissistic, you know, ego inflation. I don't I don't I don't really even want it to be all about me and my story. It's more that what I find is that when I tell people my story, they all say I could be you. And I'm like, yeah. Well, you are me. Like we're all one. We're all connected. We're all archetypes of each other's own awakening. And so I tried to be really explicit about it by saying by telling a piece of my story. For example, telling a story of the night that I delivered four dead babies and then I was shamed by my male professor, for having really strong emotion and crying with my patients and like crawling into bed with my patients to hold the mother and the dead baby together so that we could cry together, and then I was shamed for that, and so I would tell a story like that, but as an example of what it was like in the ordinary world, which is the first phase of the hero's journey and Because, you know, I wanted people to recognize, like, where are they on the hero's journey? Are they still in the ordinary world, suffering? Because each phase of the journey, so I tell a representative story from my life to represent each phase of Joseph Campbell's hero's journey. But then my intention, when I say this is the book I needed to read, my intention was to actually offer tools and practices to facilitate movement through the hero's journey, so you don't get stuck, yeah. for example, a lot of people get stuck um, where they they've been in the ordinary world, and then they get the first part of the hero's journey is the call to adventure, where they receive the call, like the phone rings with these intuitive instructions from your inner spark that tells you, here's what you're here on the planet to do. And usually the instructions are so scary. (laughs) And the mind will tell you it's so insane because it's not rational. And it often completely violates what the culture tells you a good life is going to need. Like, you know, the call comes and it means giving up your security, Letting go of your sense of certainty and diving into the unknown, it, it often means a financial investment or letting go of your financial remuneration, like quitting a job. Um, it'll often mean kind of putting yourself out in public in a way that is terrifying because you're, you know, so many of us were persecuted in past lives for for our shamanic tendencies.
0: So, like, it's like putting yourself out there in such a vulnerable, open, raw, courageous state. (laughs) Right, right.
1: So, you know, the call comes in where, and very often, very often, I'm finding because I'm talking to a lot of people about this, very often the call is related to the way in your life that you've been to hell and then you've made it back. And so often people's calling is like, like I went to hell through the medical system and selling my soul in my medical practice, and then I quit and I found a way to come back into the essence of my true calling as that true healer. And so now I have this deep, deep, place of compassion in my heart for for doctors and healers because I was them like I know what that pain feels like and now a big part of my calling is serving those who were where I was in 2006 wow yeah that's incredible right? and and, for and you, helping them like, choose
0: the hero's journey
1: right so for you like you have been to hell you lost richard and now you know a big part of your calling has been this like like deep compassion and and passion for people who have lost a loved one
0: yeah absolutely and just for people to just to understand you know like so much more about embracing grief and and how to you know how to rise up and and go through the process that you need to go through but but life will begin again and it does and you'll find deeper meaning because you've been through what you've been through. And Yeah, and I I I completely understand that and um wow, it's just it is it's amazing what it is amazing when you um articulate it that way and you dissect it that way how powerful this is going to be for as a template, you know, like because I think so much of the time when we're in that space of the unknown, which is like what you say is like that initial calling and those initial instructions, that is like such a scary place, but I, I love so how scary. you've made it so not scary by, you know, by saying that that's what it is, you know? And I think when you read this book, um, you'll find that your own calling, you'll, you'll have this roadmap, you know, a real roadmap to follow. And I, Love each chapter that you've written, Lisa, and I know that oh, thank you. everyone is going to get so much out of this. Um, I well, want to you know, keep I... this really short, so I just want you to give us like your biggest nugget, the, your biggest promise that you um, have for the listeners on this podcast today, and then I'll repeat how they can um, find your book and so
1: forth. Well, you know, I guess... Let me let me just briefly contrast the hero's journey to the heroine's journey. I'd love that. Because I think there's like deep wisdom in this and this is a frame that I learned from Ann Davin, who's the depth psychologist that works with me and she's amazing. And she created you know, the, so Joseph Campbell has the sort of traditional kind of masculine paradigm of you know, how to go on this journey. But, you know, the way Anne frames this is by saying that, you know, the hero views humans and the divine as separate, but the heroine, there is no separation between spirit and matter. All are one, you know. The hero is self-sacrificing, but the heroine receives from others. The hero survives against all odds, but the heroine's ego dies to the perfection of whatever is happening, coming into agreement with what's happening, rather than forcing her will or resisting what is.
0: Oh, wow. That's amazing. That sounds so much like my book, Heartbroken Open.
1: <laughs> right? Exactly. The totally. Hero dominates, the hero uh, examinates, the heroine surrenders.
0: Oh, my God. That's so like my book, Heartbroken Open. Uh, that's
1: amazing. The hero competes, but the heroine collaborates. Interesting. The hero revels in his victory filled with pride, but the heroine wears her humility as a jeweled crown. Oh, wow. The hero never questions his value or direction, but the heroine lives her life as an open question. Wow. The hero asks, what can I get for myself? But the heroine asks, how can I serve the dream? Wow. And I think the big difference for me between the hero's journey and the heroine's journey is about real vulnerability and transparency. And that's, this book is really uncomfortable for me to publish because it feels like coming out of the spiritual closet. And in fact, my publisher didn't even want to publish it. So I had to leave, I had to go to another publisher because they thought it was, I don't know, I I, I won't put words into their mouth, but the feeling that I got, (laughs) the feeling I got was that they thought it would ruin my reputation. Well, yeah, and there's this, there's sort of this,
0: somewhat this trend that spiritual isn't popular because science is so popular, so... Right. Uh but you know the whole thing about, you know, all of it is that it's all one and the the science is now proving that everything that we call spiritual is all true. So, <laughs>
1: that's right. So I guess you asked if I have one like piece of guidance. It's just trust trust your discernment and trust that it's safe that that, that now more than ever we need those people who have been persecuted in past lifetimes, (laughs) we need those team members to come out of the closet and be fully transparent and gather and collaborate with other team members in order to make ourselves available as sacred activists in a world that's in need of healing in all industries, whether you're in education or medicine or banking, or, you know, corporate America, or politics. I mean, all of these industries are being, they're all falling apart because of the shadow side of the masculine principle that has taken over our modern culture. And the only way these these systems are going to heal is through the rising of the divine feminine. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, and it's not an accident that most team members are women. Not all. There's definitely some really conscious men yeah. that are for sure team members. But I'd say 90% of the people I'm meeting that identify with that are female.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, that's so beautiful, um, Lisa. So, again, I want to repeat, Lisa Rankin, MD, The Anatomy of a Calling, A Doctor's Journey, from the Head to the Heart and a Prescription for Finding Your Life's Purpose. You can find that on Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com. What other areas can they find the book? Where, so where
1: The, the com has a whole free Fulfill Your Calling kit that I created. Oh, it's yay! A, yeah, there's a double meditation CD that I created with Karen Drucker doing the, the live music while I was... Speaking, and there's a, a PDF f- for visionaries that's a, a, a guide for people and Beautiful. a book club guide and a bunch of other stuff. So the anatomy of a also has all the book retailers where you can, where you can buy the book. All right.
0: Well, Lisa, thank you so much. I know that um, my listeners are going to love this book as I did and as I still continue to dive into it in different times. Just, It's so beautiful. Thank you so much for having the courage and the vulnerability um, to write it and to impact us the way that you have with all of your books. You're just an amazing woman and an amazing author and we're so lucky to have um, your contribution to the planet right now.
1: Oh, thank, thank you. you! And I just want to thank all the people that are listening because I know I, I I post on Facebook every day, so I I interface kind of daily with people that are saying yes to their call to adventure, and it's so scary. And <laughs> everything in the culture tells you that you're crazy. And I just I know that there are people listening to this call that have already said yes, and I just want to say thank you to those people and to those that are. Still in the refusal of the call phase of the hero's journey, I just want to like hold, hold the container for you to say yes when the timing's right and to be really gentle with yourself until that time comes. Yay! And you're going to be launching a new podcast, is that right? I am. I've, Yay! I I'm really, I'm really excited. I know is so much fun. <laughs> I know. I'm going to do my first podcast with Ann Davin, who's the one that created the Heroines Journey. Oh, how fun! Oh, I can't wait to listen in. I cannot yeah, yeah. wait. She's brilliant. What's the podcast going to be called? It's going to be called "The Anatomy of a Calling." Oh, great! All right, and it's so... going to be all about finding and fulfilling your calling. Like, I feel so blessed that I. I am an amazing person magnet like look I've got you Chris
0: <laughs> <laughs> well you are an amazing person magnet you know everyone that an is for sure
1: magnet. they all come to me and I <laughs> that's
0: awesome well you're going to have an amazing podcast too and um so anyways I just want to thank you all for listening in today come back and listen again um and have a great day wherever you are and Just um, enjoy this new year. This is such a special, wonderful time to embrace the new, let go of all that other stuff that you want to let go of so that um, you can make the most vibrant year yet. Thanks so much. Bye. Thanks for listening to Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff with New York Times bestselling author Christine Carlson. Visit christinecarlson.com to receive 30 days of Don't Sweat Wisdom delivered to your inbox. And remember to subscribe to this podcast now to receive Don't Sweat Wisdom from Chris every week.